Hello everyone. This week on New Narrative. <laughs> well, if you've been following the news, I had a little encounter with the police this week. We've got lots of coverage on this on the website, and I want to thank all of you who've reached out and expressed support for New Narrative. I can't emphasize enough how much we, how much I need and rely on your support. And that's why I hope you will join New Narrative as a member if you haven't already. Right now, we only cover about 40% of our costs uh, from the revenue that we get from membership. So we do need a lot more members to keep going. So please do join us and help us keep fighting for you and for a better Southeast Asia. You can join at newnarrative.com join or donate at newnarrative.com donate. Also on the site, we've got a photo essay on volunteer-run schools and libraries in Cambodia for students who are still unable to return to school during the pandemic. And on our Southeast Asia Dispatches podcast, editor-in-chief Aisha interviews two activists about the plight of Indonesia's vulnerable domestic workers. So on to today. Subhash Nair is an amazing man. As I spoke to him, I couldn't shake one inescapable fact. I think if he were Chinese, the country would be celebrating him in a very different way. He's a musician, an activist, a philosopher, an athlete, an all-round renaissance man. He came from truly humble beginnings and worked hard and went from Newtown Secondary to Hua Chong Institution and from there to University to study urban planning. He's well known as a rapper, but he's also an activist who campaigns for social justice and most recently has campaigned about the injustice of the death penalty. He also volunteers with children. He does everything. He's deeply thoughtful, widely read, and most of all, such a good, kind, empathetic person. I really enjoyed this conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Political Agenda. With me, PJ Thumb, your host and also co-hosting once again today, Editor-in-Chief of Wake Up Singapore, Sean Francis Han. How Hi, are you today, glad Sean? to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm great. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Rap music is something that I grew up with. Uh, super excited to get into this. Um, and yes, we have, of course, uh, Subas, right? One of the big rappers, activists in Singapore. Uh, one of the young figures that's coming up, uh, doing things and saying things that I think are going to be uh, particularly interesting, right? Seeing, seeing, um, <clears throat> you know, seeing the way that he's sort of combining his art, combining that activism. Uh, I, I'm quite excited to get into this. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Welcome it's it's to an honor. I, I followed your stuff uh, for a while, and so it's 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 an honor to. No, have no, no. The really. honor <laughs> is is all ours. Uh, you know, I am just um, so excited by this rising generation of activists who are combining so many different things in such unique ways and doing it in ways, I think, which, um, you know, if I can feel a bit old and say my generation weren't able to, right? And uh, the breadth of possibilities that I see every week talking to all of you is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think you personally embody a lot of this because uh, you know, you're a musician, you are an activist, you are, uh, you were an athlete, right? Um, still an athlete. Um, I still get, I, 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 just give me a couple of months to train, I might still be able to dunk. 
you know, and, and the things you, we were talking about before, philosophy, right? You're a thinker. You're a renaissance man. Oh, wow. <laughs> How do you fit all that into your life? You know, I feel like I've had a full life, but I, I listen to some of the things that you, you do, you, how you talk, how you think. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's amazing. How old are you, actually? I'm 28 this year. 92, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> you round that up a few times. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty old veteran in the game. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because for me, I draw a lot of inspiration from the work that the new narrative does, you know, the, the, and like yourself, Jonathan, the people who have been on this podcast. So for me, I don't see them as uh, silos or separate tracks. I see a lot of the work as connected and um, just, we must be um, organized that way. We must be in touch. We must be connected because we need all these modes, all these art forms, um, different modes of writing, thinking to, to get us to, because it's all collective. So I draw a lot of inspiration from the work of the people around me who may not be um, artists or hip hop, you know, um, creators. So, yeah, and that's that's so I'm for me, I think I mean, Renaissance man is a really huge tag. I I think (laughs) a lot of the work is undoing, especially because I walk I mean, I walk around with uh, with cis hetero privilege. I'm an able bodied person, you know, and I've, I've had a chance to go to, to different educational institutions, all of that because I could shoot threes and dunk a basketball. Right. <laughs> but I've managed, I'm punching above my weight class. I'm not supposed to be here right now, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is me despite the system, despite a lot of things uh, to, to be here. And so for me, this, this platform, this work is all about like what we can do together to make sure that people don't have to be in certain situations that I've seen, I've experienced, and um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, that that that. If you ask me to sum it up, I, I put it in a song. I'm, I'm a chronic overthinker with a woeful inability to cherish. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure this out, uh, and yeah, I just love uh, doing the work that I do. So I think the question like that we should just jump into right now is mm-hmm. how you got this way, how you became this Renaissance man, right? So I know that um, there's there are a lot of a lot of things that has have shaped and molded and influenced you, right? So mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about your personal life, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an, a beautiful family. I mean, so it's I mean we we um, okay. So we just lost our dad mm-hmm. like uh, earlier this month. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really tough time um, because it's been a lot of my childhood has been defined by by the absence of male role models and mm-hmm. a lot of like. How I am today is because of the women in my life mm. who have invested time, who have um, just set me on that right track, mm-hmm. you know, for me not to repeat those intergenerational habits and cycles. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so today I would be like, I, I would be repeating a lot of the addictions and a lot of the, 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 the patriarchic systems, you know, if not for these people. So mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a beautiful family. My sister is one of the most like, she's just the coolest person I know. She's my best friend. Uh, Y'all know Preeti, my sister. And uh, my mom is the strongest woman I know. Um, And so, yeah. And and so a lot of this is me looking at my life as just a period of consciousness between like two eternities that I will never understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just understanding that it is a privilege to be able to have a platform, articulate even something I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you get into rap and hip hop? Why is you know why was that? Like what what got you into that as a way of sort of navigating this mess that we have here? Uh, I I really just love 
I love listening to hip hop. Like mm-hmm. hip hop raised me, really, really did. And it's uh, so listening to not only the music, right? Yeah. But it's the um, the interviews, the actions of like so many people in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And these, and we must we must say, hip hop is a black art form, mm-hmm. and and we must acknowledge that uh, we are guests in the house of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a lot of. Um, like even like recently with what's happening what has been happening uh, since, since as long as I can remember in America the violence against black bodies like that's something that we have as people who are members of hip hop in Singapore we have to be using our platforms and also mm-hmm. like be doing anti-racist work in Singapore mm-hmm. but also paying homage paying like donating money like you know doing things that are, that are really tangible that, that also um, like give back and mm-hmm. contribute to hip hop. So for me, if someone can't do those things, then their contribution back to hip hop should be doing their work mm-hmm. in situ, like where they are. And so for me, that's that's how a lot of my work is shaped. But mm-hmm. when I was in my um, fourth year, actually, I want to drop out of school many, many times. Mm-hmm. The only reason that I stayed in school was because mm, because my mom never, my mom only got a chance to go to secondary school. So I kept that image of me and like I know that I wasn't just me walking the. The, the stage mm. it was always going to be my mom and I mm-hmm. and so just that was a that was a super important thing for me to to stay in school to to keep um, just to keep to keep up mm-hmm. and to be consistent there but um, for me yeah in that last year it was like everybody around us is like you know filling out a resume going to the professional experience uh, center and I and and I was just like yeah I'm not about to make rich people richer mm-hmm. like what is the role of the university uh, because if it's just you know to have a nice shiny first line you know went to this liberal arts that you know mm-hmm. then we're failed la. Mm-hmm. because what duty does uh, a university graduate have towards justice oriented work towards ending systems of oppression if not then it's just a place to collect and corporatize young people yeah. right? yes. so for me it's really like okay what do I love what am I good at? I don't really care about money. Like today, look, I don't, I, I, I don't really even sell anything. I'm not <laughs> on work, but what I do, I'm just music is free. This is our stories, our songs. I'm just someone who interprets them in 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 a in a, in a rap song in an MP3. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it is just about like I have so many thoughts and so many ideas. I need a medium, mm-hmm. and I need a medium also to bookmark these moments in my life because I forget because I I, I we didn't take we took a lot of photos you know mm-hmm. as as kids, but these photos like that I, I need to get out on like pen and I need to like paint for myself and so that's really what this is just bookmark moments and then it's commitments to putting mm-hmm. work like to doing the work in between songs mm-hmm. that uh, so that's really why I started rapping because I don't think that I didn't go to university to get a job I went there to understand my place in in, in this country mm-hmm. uh, and how I can like do the work so um, so tell us about like your music what is it that you think hip-hop or rap can do or achieve that uh is sort of unique to the art form what's powerful about it to to start a revolution Mm -hmm. that's what we can do that's what we're supposed to do for me Mm -hmm. for me so for me like uh it's it's just so like it's it's sacred almost Mm -hmm. like uh the the art form and uh for me it has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so it has the power to inspire people to do things, to think differently, to act differently, to to love, to share, to have a different relationship with their own realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it has for me. And so um, 
Yeah, I think the, the role of the artist is not up to me to decide. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of music someone should make is again up to me to decide. Mm-hmm. But if you only if you only take money from the state, especially in this context, mm-hmm. if you only take money for the state, and then you reproduce certain narratives and 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 be on certain stages, but without critiquing those stages, mm-hmm. so I'm okay. I'm okay. I've I've performed it with Earth Hour at at, um, at MBS, mm-hmm. but not without first starting the show off with saying it is not lost on me the irony of us standing here and having an Earth Hour event on reclaimed sand. You know, and discussing, and we have to use those platforms, mm-hmm. and we have to be have find co-conspirators because it's people who are putting like uh, who 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 are hiring artists to come on those stages. Uh, they have to understand the work. They mm-hmm. have to understand the the intention, the purpose, and it and it takes a, a bit more work. Mm-hmm. Sit down, get a coffee, explain that this is beyond the music. This is more than just music. This mm-hmm. is like how can we really work together to do something? How can we make sure the way we do things now mm-hmm. sets the tone for how things need to be done in the future? So, for me, it's like, um, see, I, I stray so far away from the question. Where? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about your influences, but you brought up a very interesting point there, yeah. which is the importance of independence in yeah, yeah. music production Absolutely. because I think there are a lot of there's a lot of music out there not just in Singapore but globally as well that is very constricted by their record label and that takes away the power or the freedom for them to critique yes now you yourself you're an independent artist Absolutely. right so you have full control over the narrative full control over what you want to say the mm. ideas you want to push tell us a bit more about that that you know you want to be able to say the things that you want to do, but at the same time, how do you keep it sustainable? What has the experience been as an independent artist in Singapore? Um, so for me, that is like a very, very important thing. That's something I champion all the time to, mm-hmm. um, to artists around me. Um, it's that own, own, own your shit, like own your IP, mm-hmm. own your masters. Why should a international record label like have control of those things? Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, to me, the NAC is like antithetical to the work that we need to do. Mm-hmm. We should stop using like, to me, if possible, because of course like, and, and for me, it's it's on two levels, right? Number one is like getting artists to see that you don't need the NAC to start doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, by by existing and doing this work, I'm, I'm resisting by showing a different pathway to how someone can be not necessarily successful, but can flourish and thrive and can, can grow mm-hmm. as an artist. So that's one. Um, and number two is actually, so like in a way it's, it's creating an alternate system on its own um, that, yeah, that just doesn't care what the state does. You can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. We're doing this over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but very importantly on a, just from a, from a young, and, and this is like, there's so many young brown, like, like artists from the working class who mm-hmm. are making this music, who are sharing their working class experiences mm-hmm. for a record label to exploit. You know, it's about also understanding that, okay, um, if we're going to get record deals, then we need unions. Mm-hmm. Like, we, artists need to be able to self-organize mm-hmm. to demand better, to demand like, okay, yes, you can, you, you might have to, have, you, it might be time-bound, your, your, um, that we are us allowing you to, to distribute, to kind of own this music. And then after that, it should go to the estate. It should go to like a, a 21-year-old artist. Mm-hmm. That money for, the, for centuries or whatever might come from that, 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 that work, right? However, it gets amplified down the line the family should reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. You should get to decide. That should be in your will. Mm-hmm. So for me, like it's it's also first of all, it's it's we have it's how why we make music, you know why why do we even do this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, is it just to make money 
like get a quick buck from a record label and 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 say whatever needs to be said, say whatever the audience wants to hear, mm -hmm. because this industry is super insidious. Mm -hmm. uh, even from the DSPs, like this, like you're probably someone's probably hearing this uh, podcast on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Like we take four tenths of a cent on a stream. How do you feed a family or anything in Singapore mm -hmm. <laughs> with that kind of return? So, to me, it's like super super exploitative, and I'm always gonna be for the. For, for independent artists to make your own platforms mm -hmm. and create pathways for other people to thrive. Mm -hmm. I have a question about accessibility of your work because uh, you talk about respecting, uh, you know, the time um, of the the listener um, and about you know reaching directly to your audience. How how do you balance between making your work accessible to a broader audience to mm -hmm. try and get your message out um, versus staying true to the sort of artistic vision that you want to achieve um, with, with your work, you know, and more, more specifically, right? Um, hip hop has a very passionate but limited audience mm. and one that might probably already overlap more with the people who are more inclined to hear your message. Mm. How do we reach beyond that, mm. especially as an artist? You know, people ask me to make my work easier to read, more, more accessible, right? But mm. I'm, I'm like, that is not the, the vision that I have for my work. Right. They ask me to make my videos shorter, dumb it down <laughs> even more, or be less snarky, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. not who I am, right? right? I want to stay true to me and what I want to achieve. Yeah. Um, so how do you balance this with your work, right? Especially yeah. when you work in a medium that has so many negative, as well as positive, right? But negative... And I think the conservative right in the U.S. has really attacked the medium you work in mm. and given it a, a very bad name. I was going to say bad rap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very bad name. You know, how do you overcome all this? I mean, same in Singapore also. You know, yeah. the, the conservative, like, even like, you know, you just look at what happened to Pretty and I two years mm. ago. Mm. You know, rap is only amenable when it's like serves those in power. It mm. serves the elite. So mm. it, when, when you start talking about any other thing, anything about... Uh, whether how racist this country is or how oppressive systems are for the most vulnerable like mm. uh-uh songs get pulled you never get uh, invited to a shows and all that stuff so you know that's why again creating your own independent platforms is really important so mm -hmm. that you never are too entangled in those things and I wouldn't never accept money from the state like it would be like mm -hmm. it would be a, yeah it will be songs about it if they even try to offer me anything <laughs> like F like fuck off like you don't that's not how, what we're doing over here but what I mean to, to answer your question I think it's really um, to me it's about putting legs behind the work because mm -hmm. I mean my songs on, on, on these platforms or whatever they're not like I don't want them to just work as like museum pieces mm -hmm. that people can go and see and like oh okay that was what's happening in 2018 nah like I want them to be um, to, to be like moments la, mm -hmm. spark points that we can all like say okay that's where we're at right now here's what we need to do mm -hmm. and even like certain words like, like even like the um, a lot of them are also from my urban studies background you know like the Javon's paradox for example that's something where if you increase like uh, like for example you build I mean you're, you're not, I mean okay I just shared so it's like if you build a road that's three lanes and then you build an extra lane you think oh it eases traffic mm -hmm. but no actually uh, convenience or like you know making something more efficient increases consumption there's going to be more cars on the road mm -hmm. you know in Africa. so it's kind of like that's the paradox so I have that in my song like mm -hmm. in a song and I think 
for me, it's about being ready to put that in a song, okay, because that's that's something that's immortal, that's something that's gonna live forever, and that's my artistic vision of how I wanna say things. Mm. But also it's saying, okay, I'm also gonna be on IG Live. Mm -hmm. I'm also gonna be ready for any in-person conversation. Anybody sees me anywhere and it comes and says like, hey, you said this on your song. Okay, my first thing is that you got time, let's stop. You know, mm. are you going this way? I would go out of the way to just have a conversation. So doing those things and making ourselves available to having those conversations is really important. Mm -hmm. But then that goes back to our first point, which is how you're gonna create those boundaries because you can't do it all the time. Yeah. So mm. it's really about identifying the bad faith actors, the worst faith actors, mm. and mm -hmm. just be like, all right, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to understand this. <laughs> like, I gotta stay focused on like people who are actually genuinely in my DMs or reaching out or uh, who sit down with me, who, who, who want to be ready to unpack because I'm ready to be wrong. Mm. I'm ready to say like, you know what? Yeah, okay, there's gonna be growth. And that's why I put stuff out because I, I, I might write a, a second song like, I mean, there are songs I regret. I wrote a song called DNA that uh, stands for Dad Not Around. And my dad had a chance to like, my dad told me that he heard that song mm -hmm. and he was very proud of me. And and like this whole month, I've, 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 I've not been able to physically, I've looked at it and I've not even been able to click the song to listen back to that since, since my dad passed. And it's like, you know, you go back and you think like, why, why do I, why do I get a chance to write? Mm. Like I didn't want to write. Like I didn't. I mean, after after it happened, I didn't want to write. Like, why do I, who am going through so much stuff at home, and like who, like I, my peers are making seven thousand, eight thousand dollars a month, and I'm here like every month still supporting other artists. I only work with like other independent artists who are all friends and all that. Pay everybody, every single person, mm. and do all this, and 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 like get health insurance. And by the time I pay rent, I'm I I don't have any savings. Mm. Like why, why like. I don't deserve to do this. I always feel that there's a lot of imposter syndrome in, in, in the work that I do. Not the work that I do, but in, the, in how I feel like every day. Mm. Um, and that's why it's, it's important to have that community to stay inspired by people who are doing different things. Because if I just looked at hip hop and I just like, oh, why don't my peers understand me? It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for me, it's being ready to have those conversations, being ready to say, you know what? Maybe I was limited in how I was thinking or feeling about this, and mm -hmm. and uh, let's figure this out together. Mm -hmm. So it's really an invitation. So that's that's how. Uh, so speaking about conversations that you have, right? So I, I mean, one thing that I've I've noticed is is that you do a lot of Instagram live. You have a lot of these conversations. You really utilize the platform in a way that. I mean, at Wake Up Singapore, we always say like, we should get on it. And we kind of <laughs> never, because it's so great. Like you're responding to these people in real time, having right. these discussions, right? Um, how has that been? How has that been for you? Uh, how did you get that idea? <laughs> <laughs> because I think like, um, yeah, I think for, for me, like, I think some artists like this mystique about like, oh, you know, you never see them unless there's an album release. I'm like, yo, life is short, lah. Like <laughs> tomorrow's not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure all this is out there because one day, like, my sister's gonna watch this video. Mm -hmm. And like, so so are you guys, so am I, like, like we're gonna watch like, every one of our, like, like someone who came before us mm -hmm. and their work. And inspiration comes from in spirit, right? Mm -hmm. It comes from inspirare to like, to, 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 basically, the work must continue. Mm -hmm. And for the work to continue, then we have to be vocal. We have to let people know which side of history we stand, what we believe, where, where, where we, we have to be vulnerable that way. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's all about that. So you see me on Instagram live and I, I, I make, I mean, I make tea so that I can wear the same thing every day. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, so the, the point is like people see me in my house and I'm, I'll be talking about whatever and whatever people want to talk about, we can discuss mm -hmm. and, 
and it's good because it allows me to understand where my gaps are mm-hmm. in like because someone will bring up a comment they will say something or they would like tell me oh you know um, have you read this form of communism <laughs> and then I'm like no I haven't let me go check that out and then I do some reading and I come back and we can talk about it sometimes mm-hmm. I just listen to a podcast and have IG live on mm-hmm. and then we can pause and we can talk about something so for me uh-huh. it's like I also don't like going out of the house. You will never catch me like at a club or at a this or that. I'm really like only go to family run cafes near my house <laughs> and I sit out in my house and I, I spend a lot of time with my, 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 my Singapore special, my little dog and my family. Mm-hmm. And so IG Live is a way that I can interact with people without mm-hmm. interacting with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I've noticed is that on Instagram Live, in the conversations that you have, you draw from a very big pool of data, specifically the conversations that you have with migrant workers. Mm. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I, do, I think, um, okay, so with with uh, migrant workers, um, I got to, first of all, I got to, because I was thinking a lot about like, you know, origin, about mm-hmm. root, like why, why do I care? Because for me, it's so important to let, just to, to let people know that. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way that they can get involved, they can start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually for me, it started from my mom. Mm-hmm. Like she would always make extra makan at home like, yeah. and she would make lunch or something. And then she had this police system that we used to live in Block 101, mm-hmm. Sunset Way. And she would like actually like, uh, because she's lazy to go down and come up, right? So she would actually uh, ask the American worker cleaners who are cleaning the block and she would put, put down a pulley mm-hmm. to give them some makan or some water. And mm-hmm. so the days would be so hot, I remember. So, and then that's how actually, and mom would sometimes say like, okay, the pulley's broken <laughs> or the hook is not working. Go and do this. Like, mm-hmm. Go and pass this to the, the workers who are downstairs. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually those, those friendships, mm-hmm. you know, and the workers will always take care of us, like whenever we play basketball, there would be the, the workers would have a, a, a cleaning quarters or something. The ball would roll there, they would pass it back, we ask them to kind of play. You know, they were like, oh, cannot, we have to work. And then we're like, no, you don't, just kind of play, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, it's always built, it's, it's, it's through friendship. It's mm-hmm. through like, also seeing that like, hey, we are diaspora. Like seeing a lot of like, demo migrant workers who were in Singapore and just knowing that like, yo, what's the difference between you and me? Mm-hmm. Geographical destiny and life chances. That's about it. Mm. Like knowing also that a lot of people and and I mean, a lot of these, not just uh, construction, male migrant construction workers, but like sex workers or domestic helpers, these transient workers in Singapore. It's like, these are, there's like, I don't think of myself just because I have a red passport or just because I was born here or had certain experiences. My life is not worth more than anybody else's, mm. you know? And so for me, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's these the stories and, and because there's a systemic silencing of, of migrant voices and mm-hmm. narratives, uh, it's really important for us as artists uh, who have a platform to to also be um, sharing that platform, mm-hmm. sharing the stage, not just a, a not you know, not just a, when, when CNA wants you to do it and then like, oh, can you um, come make a song together? Mm-hmm. But actually general, genuine friendships, genuinely like, like loving and caring and and just being there for each other or supporting my, uh, just friends are, these are just my friends. Yeah. And when, when, I mean, when, look at uh, what, what happened this year, it's, 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 mm. it's shame. It's shame. I'm embarrassed to call myself Singaporean. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm Southeast Asian, right? Mm. But also like, like that's something I do. Like I really like, I'm Southeast Asian, brown, um, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I think really like I'm, I'm embarrassed of how our country has treated migrant workers for so long. It is, it's just so exploitative. When I went to, I mean, I don't know if you have any like uh, Hindu, so I'm, I'm not a religious person, but my dad was, and I'm sorry, I keep circling back to my, my dad because that's mm-hmm. how I've been thinking about things. But when we went to light his 
Atma Shanti uh, light, which is basically a light. You go to the temple, you pray for the for the soul to to travel mm -hmm. in peace, and then when you went to light the lamp, right? Then I start realizing that you know this the priest was ringing off names like you know names 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 like you know this person's uh, Atma Shanti, this person's Atma Shanti, all their souls, and then you start looking around you and you're like, these are all migrant workers. Like right. all these names that this person just said, right, are all names of migrant workers who have passed mm -hmm. and their friends and families like paying tribute to them. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you see when my sister was lighting the lamp, like it's around us, it's all just like, yeah, migrant workers, they're not like Singaporean, like, right. like right. Indian folks. I mean, some of them were, but a lot of them were migrant workers. So you start to see like, then you start to wonder questions like, what happens when a migrant worker dies in Singapore mm -hmm. in the time of like COVID right now? And like, what? It's so traumatic. I mean, I don't know how to even begin thinking about it, but these are human beings. Like, these are, like, the fact that I need to say that, ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but our country doesn't treat them like human beings. They don't yeah. see them as equal. So we have to do the work now. Mm. We have to remind them that, like, nope, you serve us, uh, ministers and president and everybody, and we need, uh, these are inalienable rights, and we need a baseline of, like, humanity mm -hmm. that we need. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you're in Singapore, there needs to be that. That needs to be ensured. Hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's heavy. That's yeah, that's really heavy. heavy stuff. And I remember, uh, you know, back when things were going down, when there were suicides at the dorms, um, and you were outraged and you were railing against just the horrible. Uh, conditions and yeah. the horrible culture as well that surrounds uh, these issues, right? You know, the fact that people can come out um, and and pretend or gesture in, in parliament like they, they really actually care about these issues, right? Yeah, um, yeah it's it's something that it always catches me off guard. It's, it's such a disgusting... Such a disgusting situation. Yeah. But yeah, let's... <laughs> no, but you know, the thing is, yeah. I spoke to a friend yeah. and... He told me the first thing I called him when, when all this was happening, I was like, because we had a short window to get like any kind of groceries or anything like mm -hmm. rice and just like to meet him and just pass him some stuff. And he lives in one of these dorms. And he told me, like, Subash, next thing you know, it's going to be like suicides. Mm -hmm. He told me. Mm -hmm. And like, so for, for me to like hear that, but yet be like, what, what, what do you do? Like, what can you do mm -hmm. other than organize, raise awareness? But I'm done raising awareness. We all know already what. Mm -hmm. What's new? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. News will be will be statistics, mm. and I don't want any more statistics. This have to change. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, yeah, it's we know what's gonna happen, and and look at like it's it's just a sick, sick, sick state of affairs in Singapore, mm -hmm. and we, um, yeah, we just do what we can with the time we have. Yeah, yeah. I think a point I want to make also, I think that needs to be made is um, especially for a lot of people who might be listening. I mean, I think it's, it's a point that's been made already, is that it's not just migrant workers, right? The, the government, the PAP government, encourages us to distinguish between their humanity and our humanity as Singaporeans, but the system also dehumanizes Singaporeans, and it also treats us terribly, mm. and then encourages us to think, oh, well, but at least we're not as badly treated as migrant workers. Absolutely. But it shouldn't be that way, right? Yeah. We should all be treated as human beings. So... You know, one, one thing I, I, I would encourage people to think about is not just the dehumanization of migrant workers, but that us Singaporeans are also dehumanized through the system where we're reduced, you know, reduced as Lee Kuan Yew quite uh, famously said, to, a, to digits, mm. right? Where our value to the country is measured purely in economic output. 
where we are put in boxes, which we, we're not even, we don't even identify with, but we're forced to be in boxes, where our salaries are ridiculously low. Mm. And, and we're encouraged to think about, you know, in, in this very, uh, you know, as, as I think PM Lee, Lee Sin Long said about, we have to eat other people's lunch. Uh, or they will eat our lunch, which is nonsense, right? You know, you you work together to increase the to to feed everyone, and you, this uh, and and the 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 rising tide will lift all boats, yeah. you know. Um, so I I I just want to make that point because I I know we're aware of it here, but when people listen, it it, it I think it bears repeating that. Singapore dehumanizes everyone. You you look at nurses and a starting salary of what less one thousand nine hundred a month for frontline nurses who are risking their lives. I mean that's that's insane, right, you know. Yeah. And so this this whole system needs to be reformed. And the the migrant workers are just the worst and most obvious and blatant and horrible part of it. But for Singaporeans listening, I urge you to think about yourselves as well and how you've become economic cogs in an unfeeling system right yeah and yeah it's, yeah. it's exploited to different levels yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's, that's what it is but you know you're right and, and just think about Josephine Theo's salary in mm-hmm. one month yeah. is what a migrant worker would make in seven years if we do the math mm. so that's, that should be enough that's, that's enough to show how uh, what's the value of uh, human life and, and, and in Singapore and how they, how, how they see this but I think PJ your point is super important because people we need to be aware of the exploitation that's going on like in our lives and these systems that have have only been around really for like what five like 50, 40 50 years a lot of these yeah. systems, a lot of these systems and Since we have the 80s really in Singapore and the yeah. 90s for migrant workers yeah and so we really need we need to first of all be aware of our history and know like that this has only been like a generation mm. and like mm. we have like I, I said this on IG Live the other day the butterfly right. effect right mm. when people like time travel and they, you know you, you watch mm. a family guy that's Stewie and Brian they go, <laughs> they go back in history and like don't touch anything you know everything's gonna be drastically different to like when we go back to the present day right mm. but how come we don't have the same feeling about today and the fact that we the butterfly effect works forwards too we mm. can do whether it's small action whatever we do today is gonna have an amplified effect someone's mm. gonna carry that torch down the line mm-hmm. so we have we have to do this work right now mm-hmm. yeah you're also doing a project with the substation, right? So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the sub and look. I mean, there are another art space that's going to lose the the their, their physical space mm. like uh, next sometime next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a project actually with Beyond Social Services, mm-hmm. and uh, it's with a group of um, um, boys. Really, mm-hmm. uh, it's a group of boys who live in Mompo mm-hmm. in the rental flat community, and um, we come together just to be vulnerable together, lah. Share, love, laugh cry you know uh, just a space to for me I, I never had that kind of space and I think masculinity a lot of like because we, we were on a panel together Kokila mm-hmm. actually introduced us and so we were on a panel and um, I was talking to them I was like hey um, I, as I learned more about their work a lot of their work was with women in the community mm-hmm. and then the work was about sexual violence in the communities and then you know, all that stuff and I was like then what is being done with the boys mm-hmm. and they're like oh we don't have enough volunteers like that's across the board. There's not enough people volunteering, young people volunteering in Singapore, mm. but also there's uh, not enough programs. So I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do this kind of work. And I had a syllabus that I put together with a friend. Mm. Uh, and basically I was like, yeah, let's do it. Lah. So we've been meeting from, in, I mean, second breaker, we took a break, but then uh, from January until like now, it's been about a year of us just meeting every Tuesday nights. And then it became Tuesday and Friday. And we just sit down and we just 
yeah, it's, it's just toolkits of expression. It's about like different ideas of, of, of masculinity. I think we spent one whole class talking about the word bitch mm-hmm. and how, and, the, and the, the beautiful part about this program is that the, it's all the boys. The boys have put in the work. Mm-hmm. We are merely the facilitators. We're just there to kind of shape this a little bit here, cover a little bit there, make sure we bring resources, we rob the rich continuously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what we do is just like, it's all the boys' stories, it's their lived experience. And, um, and it's, it's, we, had, we just had a show mm-hmm. uh, with the sub who has been so supportive. Thank you, Uzair Raka, everybody there. But um, so they, they, had a, they, they put together a performance piece for a lot of them. It's the first time performing. Mm-hmm. And we lost a lot of the boys in the program to DRC, to like drug, like, you know, we lost like a couple of boys. One boy was on tagging, another one went in for 18 months. It's not even 20, like 18 months. So the boys are like from 13 to like maybe 18, 19. Mm-hmm. 18 months and then it's drug rehab, mm-hmm. you know? So like, and you take away them, take away those boys from programs like ours. Mm-hmm. Then we are doing the work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's tough, but um, yeah, even in that class where we talked about the word bitch, mm-hmm. um, we, because it's, it's so organic because it's some, one of the boys said it and we were like, okay, let's set a rule. Let's negotiate. Let's talk together about this, right? Mm-hmm. We'll never use the word bitch when we're talking about another human being, especially a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, why? And then we unpack all of that. And the conclusion that I didn't start the class off as a lesson plan with, mm-hmm. uh, but the conclusion, and, and it, by the way, the class is co-facilitated with uh, one of my friends from Yale and US, Yanni. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what, where we got to at the end of the class was that we should never use the word bitch because it's a conversation stopper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help the person. It hurts someone, right? Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't correctly identify what is the feeling that we feel mm-hmm. like you have uh, um, kind of abused my trust you have let me down in a certain way I am disappointed because of this action you don't help someone correct a behavior or you don't express some uh, 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 how what, what are your expectations about a relationship when you use that word so for us it's really like for me I learned so much from the boys because those were their conclusions mm-hmm. and, and I learned from them so men with pens is really that's what it is it's, it's just a community project and I think uh, if people have can can make can, can can have capacity to do these things like yo let's 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 actually do community projects that we don't need like mm-hmm. money or support like we just need mm-hmm. you to go down you know one like have like have time and just like mm-hmm. be consistent about the work and and uh, today those boys are like homies are there there I, I love them very much yeah we love, I, I trust them very very you much know, and coming back to a certain theme we're identifying here you know I think it sounds it's really good that you have positive male role models. Because mm. in Singapore, we for so long we've had this extremely toxic <laughs> male role model who's dominate, who still dominates our lives and imaginations, oh, even though he's been dead five years. And how I, I think that the damage that this one man did to our collective psyches in presenting a male role model that somehow it's, that has been really exalted, but it's so toxic and misogynistic. You know, and and inhumane in certain ways. I I I have to wonder about the damage that has done. Yeah. And so I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, you know, I, and I think especially um, for for the two of us who've lost our fathers at young age too, to have these, uh, uh, you know, space where you can have alternative role, a male role model, and then discuss these really important issues yeah. which you don't actually see discussed everywhere else. Because nothing can be discussed in Singapore, right? Everything's too sensitive and dangerous and blah, 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 yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm just so pleased to, to hear about and, this. And also importantly is that we are going to, the work is like, starts off with these male spaces, spaces mm-hmm. for, for young men to come together, but it's also to collaborate with just youth in general. So mm-hmm. the, the ladies who are doing the work and to come, come together as, as like 
you know, Wampokia is mm-hmm. what, what they call themselves. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's just to, to also set the stage for that kind of like, ultimately it's the youth coming together to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And to, if we're going to look at alternative modes of, of, um, of problem solving, mm-hmm. you know, then we need that kind of resilience in communities. Mm-hmm. We need spaces where people can come together and like, all right, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need the, we don't need the police involved here. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, like this is someone I know and they're fine. They're not representing a threat. And like, we got this person, you know, those kind of, we, 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 we want to set the groundwork for that kind of, uh, um, alternative modes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about individuals, young individuals in this program being snatched away by Singapore's penal and carceral system. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that links to, to, to another project or another, uh, another big issue in Singapore that you've been working on uh, for a long time, which is the death penalty case, especially now with the horrific yeah. uh, situation that's unfolding before our eyes. Can you tell us yeah, more about that? I think so. I can't say that I've been a like death, anti-death penalty advocate or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just made a song in 2018, and I've been very vocal on my platforms and mm-hmm. with my my circles. Yeah. Um, Prabhakaran Srivijayan is mm-hmm. his name. 2017, he was uh, he was murdered by the state mm-hmm. um, in East Malaysian, and uh, and and he maintained his innocence until the end. Mm-hmm. You know, he always uh, maintained that he didn't know what was in the what was in the vehicle, mm-hmm. and. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, we have a mandatory maximum here. It's ridiculous that people, uh, when I hear the narrative of people need someone who's already been extracted away from participating in civil society, right? Uh, they already been, uh, they already taken away, yeah. but you need to murder them for people to feel safe. You know, people have already like, the, the state already, uh, you, you don't, a, a life imprisonment should be the maximum sentence. Mm-hmm. That should be like, the state should not have the right to kill people. Yeah. That's it. So for me, like, it's just a very straightforward, like, why are we murdering people? Life is the most sacred, beautiful thing. There's always something that someone can contribute. Syed Suhail, who I had the, the privilege of speaking to his sister yesterday after like, I was on IG Live and mm-hmm. then we exchanged some DMs. I mean, this man reads Schopenhauer. Mm-hmm. You know, this man, like the, you saw the poetry and how he's writing when he uh, when he was actually writing that 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 that, that, that so uh, just so sad to read that letter that he was writing out for a cry for help from M Ravi, you mm-hmm. know, so that is the person where we're executing, and that if 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 Ravi didn't do anything, and if like civil society didn't like make some noise, I I think it's actually all the legal team and the research team that they are the ones who have uh, worked hard to have a stay of execution and have that like uh, separate hearing that's happening mm-hmm. next week, but if they didn't do anything, then on Friday another another. Funeral, we are basically, it's a, it's, the funeral will be done right now. Mm. Are you kidding me? The family wasn't even informed mm. and, <laughs> for so many hours and everybody had to say their goodbyes. Mm. I mean, come on. Like, it's ridiculous. And like, it's 2020, we're talking about this. Mm. But yes, okay, so be it. It's 2020, we are talking about this. Mm-hmm. But just understand that in the next five years, right? Five years ago, that five years uh, is like about 10% of Singapore's, uh, like, I guess, our, our post-independence history. Mm. That's 10%. Mm. The next five years, right, is like, it's, we have, we are in a space that's so small that our activism does count, does matter. Us doing small actions have an ampli- amplified effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are all uniquely positioned to have these conversations at our dining tables, at our jobs and everything. And what about Apple Music? Or what about this Apple, sorry, Apple store that they, they set up, you know, uh, shiny brand new Apple stores. What does Apple believe? Where are the corporations here who make so much money from this country? Where are y'all, mm. right? Mm-hmm. How much do y'all pay your migrant workers? What are your stance on these issues? I want to know. You can't just hide behind the, oh, look, iPhone 12. 
you know? <laughs> and because people are allowed in this country to stand up and line up and hordes to buy the latest iPhone or buy the latest branded whatever t-shirt or shorts or whatever, <laughs> But if five people gather to hold a candlelight visual, what happens? Mm-hmm. So in service of capitalism, okay. Mm-hmm. In service of people and 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 and, and just humanity, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah. You 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 get like as as Jolivan explained uh, in the last one of the previous podcast, mm-hmm. years and years of being harangued by the state to try to mm-hmm. tire you out. But we are not tired because this is the leaderless movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, for, I mean, for yeah, so yeah. for so for me back to sorry back to like death penalty and capital punishment. It is like the most urgent thing we must do, we must abolish the death penalty. This is, when I spoke to Syed's sister, and um, I'm sure he won't, they won't mind me sharing this, but when he wrote that letter, um, he wrote it for not just himself, but everybody who is also on death row and their majority, like disproportionately, they are um, Malay men, Indian men mm-hmm. on death row. Mm-hmm. And a lot of yes. them are migrant vulnerable populations. Like we people need rehab, this is a mental health, it's a public health issue. Yeah. yeah. This is a theme that uh, I, you know, we've we've mentioned several times on on this podcast uh, on new narrative, and I think even with Jolivan just two weeks ago, the such a huge problem that uh, you know, for example, as you mentioned, minorities are overwhelmingly people in prison for drug offenses on death row. Mm. We can't talk about it. We can't have proper conversations. We don't know the numbers. You know, and so this this is always the big issue with dealing with these issues is that we are we come up against a state which cares more about efficiency, which is so cold and unfeeling, which won't even allow us to have conversations. Yeah. You know, I could understand if, if the government's position is okay, we must have a death penalty, but then as citizens, you can go ahead and talk all you want. You know, advocate, lobby. That's your responsibility as a citizen. Correct. But instead, we have a government which shuts down these conversations and which even rushes into executions and if i remember correctly they even deviated from the standard friday morning execution at some point to try and prevent more activism and advocacy mm. uh, you know to try and save a certain um, was called koja bing right yeah yeah and i mean <laughs> can you imagine a state rushing to murder someone yeah. for the sake of efficiency because they don't like what a bunch of citizens are saying i mean I thought our state was so powerful and strong and they can't even, they don't even have the, the moral courage to uh, stick to their guns, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think the, these are, the, this is the most important thing that we need to be able to have these conversations to start with, right? Mm-hmm. And if the state wants to say the majority of people support the death penalty, well, then give us the chance to talk about it and change people's minds, right? Yeah. If that's yeah. the path you want to go. But then you're also then implying that Democracy, right? Majority of people want death penalty, so we should death death penalty. Mm. Well, then what about all the other things that a majority of people want, Correct. right? Mm. An Indian prime minister, for example. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't get all of that. Why is it in this in this one thing suddenly democracy is so important? So again, right. conversations, and so what you're doing is really important. Getting the message out, we all need to keep doing that because I think that's the only avenue we have mm. right now. Right. And I, I mean, think, bouncing yeah. off of that, right? Um, I mean, I noticed that one of the big parts of your activism is conversation, setting up spaces, you know. Mm. And you yourself, you're a brilliant orator, you know, like I'm just here kind of listening to you go mm. off on these tangents, um, delivering almost like a, a lecture, right? You're, you know, that to me is amazing, right? That micro-political level of having discussions with people, being armed with the information and the ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to get a little bit into your ideas because you are a thinker, you know, um, you have you have an ideology, you have four dollars. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think I think so. For me, I've, uh, I mean, this is this is like 
high praise and I'm like, you know, I, 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 I listen to y'all um, all the time. And so I think, mm-hmm. I think that, um, first of all, thank you. And second of all, also, um, like, yeah, this is like, this is formed, like, where I, where, who I am today is formed through conversation. It's mm-hmm. through being wrong. It's through failing mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but, um, so I think it's, it's not like, uh, oh, you have to have done certain things or mm-hmm. went to certain schools. No, no, no. It's a lot of times it's despite those things. Right. But, uh, so I think it's really important to put there and all it starts is just us to try to, mm-hmm. to say something, to read up, to mm-hmm. learn, to, to articulate. Yeah. Um, so, I really, I have a mantra in life and that's to leave a place in a better state than how I entered it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, life is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I just have, I, I just want to make a contribution towards, um, towards certain things. And I have four main like pillars, I guess. Okay. I call them dominoes because I'm, because number one is like a lot of, if you, if those things fall, mm-hmm. right, it takes a lot of work to get there. Mm-hmm. But if we can push those things, a lot of other things would like automatically align in civil society okay. to kind of, uh, to, the, to form that larger picture of like whatever that utopia might be, you know? So what are these like uh, four dominoes? Okay, so number one, we must abolish the death penalty. All right. All right, number two is NS. We have to abolish NS. So these are my personal opinions, mm-hmm. okay? So abolish death penalty, abolish NS, abolish 377A, and have a universal basic income and a minimum wage mm-hmm. for everybody, not just Singaporeans. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not some, you know, Limitian vibe. <laughs> this is like for, for everybody in this mm-hmm. country. Uh, so, and these are just my opinions. The, mm-hmm. What PJ said earlier, we must have conversations around these things. So I don't know better. I don't know better than the next person. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that here's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And here's where as someone who's participating in, in this country as, as, a, as, as, as a human being, as a citizen, as whatever, mm-hmm. we need to be able to have space to for you to tell me what you feel about these things mm-hmm. without the fear of like, yeah, I cannot say because my job say I cannot say I sign a contract, you know? Mm-hmm. They kind of think, oh, yeah. I cannot be like, no, because uh, I have government this, I want that, you know? So what? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, government services need y'all to work. Mm-hmm. Like without the people, they won't function. Mm-hmm. Like they need <laughs> those jobs. So my thing is like, they cannot use their jobs as leverage to like stop your, you, you exercising your, your human right mm-hmm. to that, to, to, to expressing yourselves in that way, especially when the expression is literally just us sitting down talking whether it's organizing a, a, a Skype session or whether mm-hmm. it's sitting down talking on IG, you know? So my point is that like, um, here's what I think I want to do work towards like contributing. Like in my time in this life, I just mm-hmm. want to do that work and inspire other people to also be thinking, talking and mobilizing towards like tearing mm-hmm. down these archaic oppressive systems that disproportionately affect mm-hmm. the, the lowest of incomes, the, the, the people who are the, the, the most in need of help, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, and everything actually links back to this lah. Making whether it's making music, whether it's creating space, whether it's like listening and shutting up and just like okay, cool. Like, I, I mean, I I massively resonate with this idea that you know uh, a big part of activism is micro politics. It's the conversations that you have because I you know from. I myself am very lucky to have met very great orators, very great people who uh, came into arguments and really changed my mind and shifted my perspective. And that always works, I think, a little bit better than, you know, reading a book or, or, you know, going to a lecture, right? Because that hits you on a personal level. You can clarify with the person. They can tailor the argument to who you are, Mm. right? So I guess the question that I want to ask here is that you're coming into every discussion, right? You seem to come into every discussion 
well armed, right? You 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 know the arguments backwards, forwards. You know how to tailor them. Um, what? How do you prepare? How do you build up this skill of being this excellent conversationalist, this excellent debater? Like, what are some of the philosophical, uh, ideological references that you take and pluck from to practice your arguments? Wow, actually, that's it. Goes back to the scale of the everyday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like I don't listen to anybody on like how to like you know YouTube has these like how to win every argument like, I don't really care I stay far away like do not recommend YouTube I don't mm-hmm. want to know this you know because that's that out, that's an outcome oriented approach to approaching a conversation mm-hmm. I'm sitting here caring about the process of how we relate mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm going to leave this today thinking about how I felt you know mm-hmm. the, to be feeling safe sitting around two, sitting between two men who I have a great amount of respect for and like you know so I think it's like that that feeling of like okay that we, we were here we were able to touch on these topics we were able to use this platform in a certain way um, it's, it's always it's always about the process for me so uh, for me like hearing that is actually like kind of surreal for me mm-hmm. as, as someone who never had the language to, to speak or articulate when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know? And it's really through, um, it's really through a lot of listening. It's really through a lot of like, it's the resources are there. So if you're someone who, um, I didn't, I didn't go and take a course or take a, take a anything like that. It's really just about um, understanding how people speak on everyday level. Like, a lot of the, the, the juxtapositions that we jungle requires the coach, the juggle requires the coach switch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way we speak to different people has to be different. That, that's a skill, you know? And that's something that takes having those conversations. Mm-hmm. It takes being wrong in terms of like being wrong sometimes about pronouns and learning and committing to, to, um, to, to doing better. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's not just a simple like, um, I need you to believe something, but rather I genuinely believe that like, hey, um, you have experiences that I will never have had. Mm. And we just need to be able to sit down and have space to discuss those things. And really the outcomes don't matter because most of the times in our micro level, like outcomes can't really change much. Mm. But what we can make people feel is like that, that whatever we're moving towards is open-ended enough for them to have space to be vulnerable, for them to have space to, to be honest mm-hmm. and to not be like constantly posturing to be right, mm. but rather just be like, okay, let's get to the crux. Let's get to some underlying assumptions that maybe we both have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's bring in more voices because like ultimately a lot of times like it will be like a group of men talking about how to be better as men mm-hmm. <laughs> without actually listening, without actually like um, having women involved. But how do you do that in a way that doesn't place the burden on, on, on people? You know, mm-hmm. so I think all those things, if we just really start caring mm-hmm. and like really start thinking of ourselves as like, not just I, I need something from you, but I really genuinely care about how you're going to feel after this Mm -hmm. I want to check in with you and and so that's really helped me um, be better at the work that I do but I will say also gosh I have I've lost so many friends you know in doing the kind of work that I do Mm -hmm. and I've and and having these difficult conversations it's it's um, and some positions that I take like you know I have to be better at um, communicating like difference Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's not it's not like easy and it, it takes work but um yeah, we're here to like help each other as we, as we, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what, what I really love about your approach is it also strikes at the very heart of what is governance and what is democracy and what is society and how we conceive of 
how we collectively come to conclusions as a society as a whole, mm. right? Because in Singapore, in, in, in this very technocratic, as they like to call it, state, which they, where they try and depoliticize, which is, of course, an all nonsense, right? The, mm. you, you know, uh, all, the, all political decisions are, by definition, political in that they've come from certain values and they involve trade-offs. Mm. But because we're so obsessed with the right decision from mm. the very top, and I think as a broader public, we've become very obsessed with what is the right policy, what is the right decision. But really, it's not a, there is no right and wrong in many of these things, but rather that, uh, and also the, the policy has to come from what you want to achieve collectively as a society. Mm. So it's more important that we um, are able to communicate and discuss openly and honestly and talk about the values we have collectively to get to the policy yes. than the policy itself. Correct. You know, and, and so it's part, this whole obsession with efficient outcomes, efficient mm. decision-making, neoliberalism, but also this idea, you know, mixed up authoritarianism uh, and, and uh, this sort of patriarchal leadership, which just wants to tell us what to do. Uh, but also us as a society, I think we need to change our values, change how we think of decision-making, change how we think of governance mm -hmm. right in terms of as you're describing um collectively coming to decisions through dialogue mm -hmm. um where we respect all opinions where we make sure everyone's represented in the decision making process and focus on this process rather than outcomes 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 of win course. or lose the debate you know yeah. so i think what, what you're doing is fantastic mm -hmm. and it sounds i mean it's a really good framework for thinking about um, how do we improve our societies? And this is this then comes to this other thing, which you know people often feel like there's no alternative to how the PAP does things. <laughs> but you here, right, art articulating an alternative, you're actually putting it into action, and all these are really powerful. And yeah, I'm really really excited to hear all these things. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the the role of our elected officials should be really to create that space mm -hmm. to, to, lay the, to, to kind of like do the dirty work, create the, do the groundwork, mm -hmm. to have people like um, and their voices represented. It's not just a, every six years, you know, like you, you say about, you talk about these things, but it's really, mm -hmm. really, really hard work. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be hard work, mm -hmm. right? So I, I think that's where we have to have, uh, we have to demand that from mm -hmm. the people that uh, we vote mm -hmm. to put in office. That's, yeah. a, that's, 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 that's the most, that's the fundamental tenet of, like how, yeah. of, of democracy, really. It's, it's coming back to what, something you said earlier, actually, it reminds me that leadership as facilitation, mm. right? Mm. Where, you know, you talk about coming to this group of boys uh, and you are just facilitators, they do the work. Yeah. Same thing, our leaders come to us as citizens, right? And responsible members of society. And they, their job really is to facilitate. Correct. They're, they're not to dictate. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 and to recognize that human beings are the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And that's a Simone Abdul Malik, like urban studies, like thing, you know. And so mm -hmm. everything is like linked to like a lot of like actually readers that people have read, like uh, the, 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 the scale of everyday life is a Jane Jacobs kind of idea, you mm -hmm. know, about thinking about the city. So uh, I would urge everybody to like, you know, uh, engage with, uh, if sometimes just watch a lecture or something about urban, urban studies, urban planning. Mm -hmm. It really helps us think because it's Lee Kuan Yew was influenced by Le Corbusier. And like, and Le Corbusier is like city, rational city plan. And you, you, you Google and read about like uh, Pruitt-Igoe, it's a failed city, uh, failed like a project, a housing mm -hmm. project. So, and then look at how HDBs are built and the legacy of how like um, 
city planning has has like created these policies like the ethnic integration pol- uh, program uh, that kind of like creates a Chinese majority in every part of this country, mm-hmm. but under the guise of oh racial harmony. So there's a lot of things that will link, and I think we 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 have to. Um, I mean, if anybody wants to like, engage with this material, like mm-hmm. DM, leave a comment, and we, we can talk. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, going back to the idea of facilitation, right, mm-hmm. and human beings as infrastructure, I think like look, a lot of these MPs have teams like of researchers that are like some of the the, the best like young like minds that they get, and president scholars, and doing all this work that they present as theirs. Mm-hmm. And then later, they don't even get paid a lot. Like I know people who have been on research teams for for MPs, and they don't even get really paid a lot. And then this the next thing you know, like an MP is going and presenting something in Parliament and saying something. So how much of that work is actually like done? Like the late work, the tough research work, and like listening and time spent is is done beyond like photo ops, you know. I think yeah, I'm, I'm just really shocked to hear this because yeah. like MP, MPs are paid so much. It's the whole premise of why that because they're worth it because they do all this. So the people doing the work for them then mm. should be paid even more. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. And this is their allowance. So that's money that they they, they have to invest in the work. And yeah. that's on top of their salary. So, but my point is that as if we see leadership as facilitation, then it's really about. Uh, not like creating space, but also about recognition of 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 work, mm. and uh, it's about paying people for that work. Mm-hmm. And and so so people, if people step up, if if and 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 people should have the right to step up in the spaces that they live in mm-hmm. to build mm-hmm. like the whatever space they like, you mm-hmm. know, and to to and it shouldn't. I I I just think it's it's ridiculous that like even community gardens mm-hmm. <laughs> get get policed and managed mm-hmm. and like. Um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, one one thing that I want to sort of you know just just sort of point out because I think this has been an insightful, just a wonderful discussion, right? You know, one of the things that I'm noticing is that a lot of the, you know, you're the third young activist that we're speaking to, right? And I I notice a sort of nice consistent trend here, you know, with Loon, she's very interested in uh, poetry and literature as a means of resisting and creating something new, and for right. you, it's discourse poetry, rap, right? So I think the power of the voice is something that's really coming up, uh, something that's really being recognized by the young activists. And there is a certain magic to it. There is a certain charm, you know? I, I just looked at my watch just now and I realized that it's been like, <laughs> how many hours? And I could just <laughs> listen to it because, you know, um, you're you're a very, very good orator. You have that music that that's out there, you know? You produce stuff with your voice that's creative and magical and nice to listen to, right? And that directly contrasts the codified, bureaucratic, <laughs> stiff, stuffy, dead, you know, robotic system, right? Yeah. So I think for, 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 for many reasons and eth- for ethical reasons, you know, for political and pragmatic reasons, but also for aesthetic reasons, right? For beautiful reasons, for the reasons of having a life that's just more colorful, right? The voice is such a powerful tool to leverage, and I'm just, uh, I, I'm just really uh, amazed, you know, at, at at all of the work that's really that's being done uh, right now. So actually, in this whole podcast, we haven't talked about race, which is like mm-hmm. the sort of ultra uber biggest problem in Singapore in terms of the fact that it affects everything we do, and we can't talk about it. Yeah, and it's so insidious. Um, and as a minority student at Chinese High, you, you, you mentioned you wanting to drop out of school, you mentioned getting in trouble with the authorities. Mm. And this is deeply personal to me because uh, my son is at Catholic High, mm. which is a traditionally Chinese school. 
And uh, from what I understand, he is one of only, I think, three non-Chinese Still, yeah. uh, people in his year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that's... And, and, and as someone who's half Chinese, half Filipino, he gets teased a lot. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, I... And I've seen him go from loving learning to hating school of a passion. Um, and his mother and I are wits end at what to do. And I thought, and I, I'm curious what, how you dealt with this, how you dealt with being a minority in one of the most, you know, passionately Chinese schools in Singapore. And, and sort of as an entryway to thinking about the role of the, the you know, how we deal with race, I guess. Right. But yeah, what's your, your personal story, if I may ask that? Um, sure. So I, you know, I think if I had a fifth, fifth domino, it would be the SAP schools. Mm. You know, that's, that's sick. It's, it's sick how uh, resources are so unevenly distributed. I went to Newtown Sec, you mm. know, by Dover and Clementine's school that I love. So I went to Newtown Sec. And uh, coming from there, the only reason I even got a chance to go to Hua Chong is not even like my choice. It was really the, the basketball teacher in charge and, and my dad at the, at the time who like, no, Subash, you have to go here because this is like the best school in Singapore. And it's because I was like on the national youth setup. So it's if I couldn't shoot a three, if I couldn't like jump and dunk right, the basketball, right, right. I Chinese high never... traditionally basketball school. Yeah, so, so that's how you... That's how right, I got in. And like right. two championships, I was a captain on those teams. And I know, and at some point, I, it was a political act for me to stop playing basketball because I didn't want to wear Singapore flag here, but then go home to a reality where like, what is Singapore? What, what is Singapore? Where is like, what about my family? Like we go through trauma and shit every day and I see the lives of the people around me and I see like as I start to learn about these things like you know the, the, the death penalty in this country NS like this and that I'm like yo how what is the that, that relation to like place so mm. for me like that that was a political act to stop playing basketball when I got to university but to just like play in a level that I was building with my friends and not like to represent Singapore but also at Hua Chong I was one of the only same same story as your, as your, as your kid um, me Daman Shamogaratnam's two sons uh, and a few other uh, Malay women were, were the only like non-Chinese mm. folk in the school and the cleaning staff and the service staff. Mm. That was the only thing. So it was, it's like, um, yeah, it's it's all the way sick. It's like, you know, um, like a Black Mirror episode sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the vibe because um, you just, well, you had no counsellors who were, who, were, who were brown. And when I say brown, I, I mean like working class, like, yeah. Primarily working mm. class Tamil Malay like folklore, you know, you you had no um, counselors who would be able to relate to experience. You know, all you had were career guidance counselors. You didn't have actual counselors career, who would right. be able to like, help you. And so it's it's really it's it's really that it was yeah. a it was a it was just a two years where and and JC is also very short a period of time. So it's like you're in and out, mm. you know, and you just do well and they push you through. But I knew that I had to finesse this. I knew that because I the school was taking my talent, right. Like you think that they, they don't put that gold medal, they're not eligible to certain grants or whatever on an institutional level because they won these sports awards and, and the amount of money, like we could we had the opportunity to travel to play. I mean, I didn't I didn't think I, I don't think I went, but then we had money to travel overseas to like play. We had like sports equipment like Nike, Adidas. When I was at Newtown Sec, I wore the same Queensway Shopping Center seventy dollar shoe until it broke and then I tip it up and let's go, we're ready to roll. So it was like 
there was so much culture shock, but it's also so much inequality because I went to school with like, like the son of like, uh, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't say, but anyway, the point is like with some, mm-hmm. with the most elite, like the yeah. next generation of the elite yeah. class in Singapore. So yeah. for me, and this is a message to everybody watching also, because um, I've had a conversation with people on my IG Live and DMs about this, but take notes, take notes, take notes, take notes. We are going to in some way be in institutions that, uh, you know, it's part of the hustle. We, we may need to work in a corporation to just put food on the table and hustle. That's fine, take notes. Uh, if you are in these situations where like, you know, if you're a minority who's in Hua Chong, like write, keep writing, keep finding ways to kind of crystallize that lived experience because things will make sense and things will all come full circle. And, um, and and we have overcome bigger things than like where they what we're facing right now. Mm. And there are people who have come before us who also have had these experiences. So I think it's really important to engage. That's why it's really important to share and be vulnerable. Mm. But uh, the, the point is like, being in a school like that, like um, as, a, as a young person, you immediately have to kind of align and uh, use as a barometer, like, uh, like your, value, your, your, your version of success or whatever you want to do, right? Is to be like aligned to what everybody else is doing and has to conform to that. And, and you don't really have a license to kind of deviate from that because I mean, and, and the funny thing is like Hua Chong is a, like, yeah, this is communist school. <laughs> and then, and then today we have, you, you know, the, the, the Jolgan was wearing the smiley t-shirt, mm-hmm. the, 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 the youth who were carrying the signs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went to Hua Chong, right? One of the, one of the, one of the, the youth went to Hua Chong and then Hua Chong also sent out a message. I'm embarrassed to be from Hua Chong really, mm, to be yes, real I with you. I, I don't like, I don't go out here. Oh, yo, Hua Chong. Like, so what? Yeah. Like I went from new town sec. That's, that's what I say. Yeah. So my point is like, um, the thing is like, Hua Chong sent out an email last year. I don't know if you all saw. Yeah. Like asking people to basically silence themselves from like speaking about this because it's sensitive. Huh? Mm-hmm. Then what are you equipping young minds for? Yeah. Like, <laughs> academic freedom, again, is a marketing and branding tool. Yeah. Uh, you see that across the board in, in the education system. So I would say, um, yeah, we, we really like schools like that. Like I don't like, yeah, it's it's just to put to put on that sponsored mobility pathway to like elitism in Singapore. Um, it was crazy being in Hua Chong, but I knew my I knew my place, and I don't mean that in a oh I know that I'm lesser or something. I knew my place because I knew what I was going to use that two years for, and that's just to take 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 finesse. Uh, the only the only there's a quote that I got in a little bit of trouble for recently, but uh, it wasn't my quote, but I shared it. It's the only relationship you can have with the institution is a criminal one. Hmm. So. Uh, if you're a young person watching this, you have power. The most power you'll have as a time is like uh, a, a person living in this country is probably when you are protected by the campus or university or where they have to answer first before you. So mobilize, mm. go out there, want to do a sit-in, talk about it, mm. think about it, you know, figure it out. Like have your voice heard. Run, write a research paper about, the, about death penalty advocacy. Do it. Force your class to talk about these important issues. Force your professors to mark those papers. Force your school to bring you in and sit you in. Record them. Do all those things. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, can't give away too much, so hit me up. <laughs> but the point is, like, we have to do the work now. If not, like, how are we even going to raise young people? I, I, how are we going? What about Wampokia? Mm-hmm. What about their lives? What about the lives of Sai Suhail, his family? What about the lives of migrant workers um, who are in Singapore? What, what about us? What about you and me? Where are we going to be? You know, what, what, what's the point of all this? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So thanks for your question. And, uh, yeah, no, thanks yeah. for your answer. It, it actually, that, that, that really helps and it's given me a lot to think about. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess okay. On, on that note, <laughs> we've really uh, you know gone gone on a long time. So thank you so much for your time. Really great. Of course. Grateful to yeah. Thanks you. so thank much you. for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate mm. it. Yeah, and thank you, Sean, for co-hosting. As always, excellent question. Yeah, my pleasure, question. always, yeah. <laughs> okay, and thank you, as always, to all of you listening for joining us uh, once again on Political Agenda. And that was Subash. Our thanks to him and also to Sean Francis Han, Editor-in-Chief of Wake Up Singapore. Check out the show notes for more links and information and be sure to also check out Southeast Asia Dispatches, our other podcast series bringing you news, interviews and commentary from around Southeast Asia. This is PJ Thumb wishing all of you a great and quiet and peaceful week ahead.